Hello everybody and welcome to, Oh man, we're buzzing, right? This is WTS 162 It's in the bag It's in the bag, we've, we've just We're giddy ticks we're, we're giddy doing the intro and the outro you're, When you listen to this, you're supposed to think that, you know, the intro happens before The interview Pulling back the court and complete, we've just finished an interview with a legend And it's, we're gonna probably retire now we're done. Because there's, what's the point? We're done, that's it. It was the greatest interview we have done. For, for the last three Bar and a half none. years, for the last three and a half years, we've been building a massive ice cream Sunday. That's <laughs> consisted of Jamie Heaslip, George Foreman, you know, Diamond Dallas Page. PJ Gallagher. PJ Gallagher, Joanne McNally, Dave McWilliams, Paul Howard. Name after name, me Holland, we're the heretic. Name after name after name after name. For the last three and a half years, and we've just put a cherry on top. An absolute cherry on top. Now, I say at the start that it was two years in the making. He said I ignored his texts. Beg to differ. <laughs> but I, I will argue with the legend, the icon, yeah. the national treasure, yeah. the one and only, the, uncom- the incomparable. incomparable. Our guest this week, ladies and gentlemen, is Christy Moore. Live with us. Unplugged. <laughs> Unplugged in Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. How was it for you? Or do we say that afterwards? Do you know what? Yeah. Graham. Let's go let's, to it. Let's just go to it. Here's Christy Moore. Now joining us, uh, it's taken about two years to get this over the line because the guests didn't know the difference between a blog and a podcast. But well, no, hang on. <laughs> Before you go any further here. The reason it's taken two years, not because of me, it's because of you. Oh. I had to contact you a few times and said, when are we going to do this bleeding blog? <laughs> As you can tell, that is one of my heroes, that's the legendary Christy Moore. Thanks for joining us, Christy. Thank Sounds you. About sound. You're very generous with your time, and it was my fault, sorry. You thought I was going to Nathan Carter gigs, was it? I, I was sure you were going to over to Nathan, yeah. He <laughs> was home and wagon wheel earlier. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Get on, yeah. How are you feeling lately? Very good, yeah. Uh, life is good, the health is good, family are all well, gigs are going well, have some good songs coming along and uh, the voice is holding up. This is year 53 of the Never Ending Tour and I'm really enjoying it. 53, Amazing. that's unbelievable. Yeah. You started in London, wasn't it? 1966, yeah, I, and I went to London and then I moved up to Manchester and really Manchester I consider my first proper gig even though I've been singing for years, I've been singing since I was a kid, but what I consider my first real gig was uh, 1966, a pub called The Old House at Home in a place called Blakely on the outskirts of Manchester. Wow. And when you decided to get up and just go to England, did you, what was the set list or what were the, what were the songs or... Uh, the Clancy, the Clancy inspired you, did they? The, well, the Clancy's initially... But, but like when I was about 16 or 17 I started in with the Clancy's uh, repertoire but then I started going to the library and uh, I, I, I got very early early on I got songs like Mary from Dunblow and the Cora of Kildare and the Enniskillen Dragoon and so I was seeking out songs that nobody else had from early on you know uh, at the same time singing Clancy Brothers songs and then a little bit later than that hearing Luke and uh it all started with that repertoire. Right. Mm. And when you were on, in England, like, did, did, would you have bumped into Luke and the Clancy's and on, on, on the circuit? No. No? No, they, they wouldn't have been on that circuit at all. Okay. The Clancy's would have been in America. And I can remember the Dubliners coming over. Like, I never actually met Luke until about 67, 68. Uh, the Dubliners came into Manchester to record uh, Seven Drunken Nights was in the charts. And they came in to record a television programme and I actually heard it was happening in a pub called The Two Brewers in Manchester. And I was in the queue to get in and Luke saw me and came over and started chatting to me and brought me in. Lovely. And I ended up staying in his room that night. What was Luke like? He was brilliant. Was he? He was a brilliant guy, yeah. Well, I mean, for starters, he was an amazing singer. But not only was he a brilliant singer, he, he sought out songs. He uncovered good songs. He, Luke just wouldn't sing anthem, you know. It had to, it had to have an edge to it before he'd sing it. 
would it have to would it have to have resonated with him like his, his feelings yeah. or anything like that yeah oh yeah definitely definitely uh, Luke wouldn't sing a song because he thought it would be popular okay he'd sing a song because he thought he thought it meant something or it allowed him to express some of his own inner feelings or right. he was a passionate and emotional singer with a great voice so like yourself that's not for me to say yeah so in terms of picking up songs along the way you've picked up songs from seven, 60s, 70s, 80s oh, up, yeah. up until now well I, I consider myself to be a, a ballad singer who writes occasionally hmm. you know I, I, I never consider myself primarily as a songwriter yeah I don't care who writes the songs as long as I keep getting the songs as long as you keep getting them and as long as there's a, there's a message that resonates with your feelings would that be fair or in the main yeah or, or else you know I, I like a song that has a bit of crack in it as well yeah you know, but do you, do you remember the first song you picked up along the way that that kind of touched you a bit? Like, when you were in England or Scotland well, he, or whatever? He, I mean, if you're going to ask me the first song that ever touched me a bit, yeah, been Kevin Barry. Okay. And I learned that as a small boy. And it would have been the first song I ever sang as a boy soprano. Oh, wow. And the song still touches me. It's just a brilliant song. Isn't it amazing, yeah. the power of music like that, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like your your gig, one of your gigs last Christmas in Vicker Street, the famous Vicker Street gigs. Can't remember the song, but I remember being at the front row and people actually moved to tears. Yeah. I actually think it might have been Fairy Tale New York. It was, yeah, because it, 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 it was shortly after Shane's mother. Probably that's uh, what it was. You know, it was within weeks, so it might have been the year before last. The year before, yeah. Uh, and and uh, I, I spoke about Shane's loss and. The song became, uh, in a way, it kind of became a lament for, for Shane's mother, you know. It was beautiful. I remember, I remember that particularly well. In actual fact, that's the version of the song that is on the... On the road? On the last album. Wow. It's from that night. Some of, some of, I love when you release um, a live album, and particularly the last one, because my favourite ever song uh, ever, from all genres and all artists, is North and South. And the version on on the road, it just gets me all the time. Mm. Like it just, I could be wake up on a Monday in a Monday morning slump and just put that on, and it just gets me going. It perks me up. Mm. Like that was was that recorded in Barrowland? Um, just I can't remember. I think it was. Probably, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, just the crowd were just. Yeah. yeah. And it seems they hear the riff and it. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, the Barland crowd are unequaled. There's no, nothing like the Barland audience. Is, is that is that the most kind of? Not I don't mean rowdy disrespectfully, but you know, the most kind of vocal or because they seem to know most every of, most word. Of them are totally involved in the gig from start know? to finish. Yeah, and it's different, and, uh, and I've never experienced it anywhere else. I've done stand up gigs in Ireland, England, America, Australia, and. I, the only stand-up gig I do now is Barland. I do it every 18 months. And it's just, it's very, very special. Oh, it know? is. And it's, it's beautiful and it's mad and it's crazy and it's chilled and it's roasting and it's all kind of things at the same time. And there's a different audience come. I mean, we filmed it a few years ago. And sometimes when I look at the film, the shots of the audience, and when I see the shots of the audience, I get emotional. Because I can see they're really emotionally involved with some of the songs, you know. So Barland is very did, special. Is, is, did, you, did you write the song in tribute to the people of Barland? No, that, come All You Dreamers. I yeah, come on, sorry, yeah. Yeah, the, I, I wrote that as a tribute to the venue. And I wrote a Wally Page. Brilliant. And Wally came over and... Uh, Spent a couple of nights with us when I played Barland. Wally came out and sang a couple of songs with me. Oh, amazing! And then we started writing the song. Let's just sing it, sing a, bit, a little bit of. Come all you dreamers, hear the sound of the barrows humming. Come all you dreamers to Barrowland. Hear Max MacIver and the ghost of the gay birds calling. Come all you dreamers to Barrowland. 
nice little chorus of it. Love it. Beautiful. Love yeah. it. It's brilliant. They love it as well, don't they? Oh, well, yeah. You know, because it's written about where they're standing. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely, yeah. The, one of the, the only gig that I've been to that probably replicates that was uh, Electric Picnic 2008. That was just mental. I remember you saying, I remember I rang you, I think the Monday afterwards, and you said you felt like you remembered the Beatles for, for your set. No, I didn't say that. Declan oh, said Declan it. said that. Sorry, you told me Declan said that. Sorry, no, that's we right. Off, we come, uh, Declan came off and he was kind of saying, Jesus, it's the first time I ever got a flash of what it must be like to be in the Beatles, you know. <laughs> but the, but that was just mental. Like, the, but even we got there maybe a half an hour before you yeah. were due on stage, and they were just chanting your name until you got on stage. And then, like, to be fair to them, they... They knew all the popular oh, songs, great. but it was, it was just it was just mental. Well, it was unique as well because we went back and did the picnic again, and it wasn't like that at all. No, I was at that one it as well. It wasn't nearly yeah. as good. Mm. No, it, wa- it wasn't as rowdy. No, it just wasn't. The vibe wasn't there. You yeah, know? yeah, that was lovely. That that was very special that night. I'd forgotten about that. That was me- my friends that night. I think I told you they um, decided to crowdsurf me. I remember you, Matt Hurry. <laughs> And the security asked me to leave and I was like I'm not leaving how am I supposed to leave like but the front row well I saw it happen I said jeez that can only be one person <laughs> I wanted to ask you about just um, <clears throat> you know like in the late 70s um, some of the kind of political aspect of your music you, yeah. you visited the H blocks I did a few, few, good few times how, how, did, how did that come about well, the first visit came about, uh, I, I got a, a, a communication from the man, in the, the, the OC of, of the Republican prisoners, uh, would, would I do a visit? And I went and met him and uh, he said, is there any chance you could write a song about what's going on here? And this was during the, the, the blanket protest. And uh, I said, by all means, I'll have a go at it. And I subsequently went back up then and I met the first three blanket men to be released I met them and spent a couple of days with them and they told me about their life on the blanket wow. and what that was like and I wrote a song called 90 Miles to Dublin and uh, subsequently then I, I went back in on other visits to, to visit different people who became friends I'm still in touch with some of them and um, were you heavily criticised for that? Uh, yeah 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 but you know you have to kind of stand by what you feel like well, is that where you? Some some of the criticism came from people with whom I, for whom I wouldn't have much regard. Right. You know. So it's not criticism then. It's like. Well, it's just more the same old stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mental. It's just I. I was just looking back at some of the stuff from the time, and I think there's a famous picture that does the rounds. I'd say it does the rounds once a year on Facebook and stuff. Of, I think it was the day Bobby Sands died. Correct, yeah. And Special Brands stopped you in Ballyferma. Yeah, we went up to Ballyferma. There was a shrine to, to Bobby Sands in Ballyferma. And after a moving heart sound check, myself and Owen O'Neill went up to, to up to Ballyer and um, just just to attend and pay our respects at the shrine. And, and we got uh, stopped and stopped. searched. And it just so happened there was a photographer <laughs> Took a picture of it. I, I think he was uh, uh, from the from the Fublocked. Oh, okay. And it, the first time it was published was in the Fublocked. But as you say, it, it, it's in it's in the book as well. Yeah, it's viral. Uh, it's viral every year. Yeah, it comes up every <laughs> year. Yeah. Shortly yeah. after that, the the, the short a few years after that, then you had the controversy going to the High Court with the Stardust. Yeah. They never came home. Yeah. Looking back, like. That's just crazy because you wrote a song. Yeah, well, it, it was, it was the time that was in it, I think, and it was well, well, well the whole um, thing arose over one line in the song, and uh, the Butterly then, Eamon Butterly took he, he took me to court, and it was to do with the line in the song that said, "All just because the fire exits were closed," and the whole court case was about that line, you know, and uh, of course subsequently. 30 years later it was proven to be true yeah you know and it was accepted that it, that it was true but that's what the court case was all about but the the judge of the day uh, was from the very start you could tell the way it was going to go he did not like me really you know and they'd taken a line some other songs and the, uh, the, the prosecuting barrister used lines some other songs 
And I remember the judge saying, well, Mr. Moore obviously doesn't have very much regard for the laws of the land, you know, and uh, it, was, it was quite heavy. But um, the song was banned, but I still get asked to sing it nearly every night. And what, what, that's crazy, isn't it? it was, yeah. banned. was it banned indefinitely or for a length of time? Well, the, or? The, the album was banned. Right. The, the album was banned and was withdrawn from the market, and I wrote another song to replace it. Uh, a song called Another Song Is Born um, which some people consider to be a better song even though it never gained the traction that the first song did Right. but like I've had requests I, I remember uh, singing the song in Canada and uh, talking about the song and there was a spontaneous collection made during the gig the audience just started passing hats around and, and they handed this money up for the for the, the, the fund of the families. That's wow. mental. That's yeah. very touching, isn't it? Yeah. And then, as happened, as happened recently with your friend, yeah. I, I still come across people who, who had connected, who had family connections with the, the tragedy, you know. And still, because the family are still fighting. Still fighting. So, still and the song is still going. Yeah. 30 years on, like, yeah. it's remarkable. When, when, you're, when you're writing songs, do you think of the longevity that this song might be or might have? No, 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 not at all, no. It's all very much in the moment, you know? Yeah. And you never know, you, you've, you never know what way songs are going to go. I mean, I've, I've recorded songs that I thought, when I'm learning them or covering them or recording them, I think, God, this is a really good song. People are going to love this. Gets passed over completely. Really? Never. The songs I thought were brilliant songs and I've never heard anybody talking about them or asking for them. What are they? China Waltz is one. Right. Uh, Sweet Music Roll On. They're two that spring to mind. Songs that I thought, well, I thought that China Waltz, a song written by Dunnan Long from Cork. And I thought, God, this is a great song. And it was at a time when there was a lot of things going on in China. Right. It was never heard television. Really? <laughs> yeah. I thought at least somebody might cover it. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. somebody else might pick it up, you know. So you never know what songs, you know. And then other songs that you don't... I mean, when I recorded Listen and Verna, I did it as a filler. I was short a song. <laughs> really? And it was at the time, I, I needed another song to make up the, the time on the album. And it was my manager at the time who suggested to me, why don't you record that song, Listen and Verna? I said, you must be joking. Don't be ridiculous. I couldn't, I couldn't put that on record. <laughs> And I did, and it's the biggest song I've ever had. That's remarkable, That's isn't it? Yeah. So it's, I still sing it nearly every night. And do you mind singing it every no, night? I love singing it. Yeah. As you were saying to us earlier, you, you enjoy songs that are a bit of crack. Um, and listening for Anna obviously fit, fits that bill. But I think Welcome to, to This Evening's Cabaret as well is another one. That yeah, yeah. No, no matter when you hear it. Everybody go right. We're up now, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's it's a beaut, like. And I don't do that. I don't do it that often. That's what Graham was saying to me. But yeah. Some nights yeah. I just I just hit it, and and uh, there's a few there's a few like that. I mean, another mm. one that. But a, a thing with those songs, inevitably, if they're easy to write, it, they seem to work much better. If I struggle for ages over a song, yeah, uh, it never gains traction. Whereas if it just flows off the pen and you get it going real quick, it seems to work out better. And the the attempt to go for kind of the melody first and then just fit the words to it or... No, I'm, all, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I, I, I always, when the words are finished, then I, I think about, or else I contact somebody, get Wally or... Yeah. Could be Donald Lunny or, or somebody. I said, look, I have this, will you put a tune to it for me? Mainly Wally Page. He's mm. put music to five or six of my songs. Yeah. You know. Amazing. Wally's still, still gigging, isn't he? Oh, Wally's still gigging. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Wally, he, he does a gig once or twice a month uh, down the North Strand there in uh, Ansley House. Great gig. But Wally Page is always worth going to hear. Yeah. He's a great song, great singer. It's mad, Danny mentioned there, Welcome to the Cabaret. Like, the, obviously, <clears throat> the Live the Point gigs in 94, wasn't it? There was back then, yeah. Twelve nights in a row. Yeah. Seventy thousand people. You still hold the record for the amount of nights you've played in the point. Okay. It's, that's amazing. You're you're too modest to 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 kind of appreciate that, are you? Not appreciate. I don't mean appreciate. I just mean like 
that's remarkable like considering yeah. you've got the likes of Ed Sheeran and stuff and I've been much more focused on upcoming gigs to tell right. you the truth you know that I mean look when I hear something when you say something like that yeah obviously it feels good that I did that and there was a time and it was amazing at the time you know but when I listen back to some of that now I'm kind of glad I'm not doing that now really yeah because I hear myself putting out energy that I've, I would get a bit uncomfortable listening to that now oh wow because I it just reminds me of where I was at in my head and in okay. my body and all that kind of thing I'm not, but it, it was great it was a great time and it was fantastic to have done it and 12 was it, it must have been a bit draining though was it 12 nights I can't really remember yeah I mean I was a lot younger then what age was it 70 94 94 so it would have been 40 48 49 right or 40, 40 something anyway I wouldn't like to be doing it now <laughs> I mean I can't do more than two nights in a row now okay if I do the third night I go all husky and horse okay yeah. I can do two have a down day and then I can do two more and recently two down there and one more because mm. um, the voice gets really husky okay. like I wouldn't be an actor or anything yeah but you just want to me, be me the vo- best my voice would be tired yeah. was, it, was, was it 90 was those gigs was it you know the way you know regardless of your um, success say commercially yeah you'd still be gigging you'd still be gigging in whatever venue wouldn't you oh yeah so when did it come when did it come to your realisation that I'm actually good at this? God, that's a very hard question. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's interesting. That's a very interesting question. Um, I'd say only in the last 10, 15 years what? I've come to realise that um, I was always looking at other people and I, I, was always, I always had hang-ups about my guitar playing. And I always felt that I had a lot of shortcomings. But in the last 10 or 15 years, I've become comfortable with what I do myself. And I've come to believe that it has something going for it, that it's different. And it's like there's much better singers, there's much better songwriters, there's much better guitar players, and I acknowledge all that. But the people are coming to hear what I do, and they love it, and they're loyal to it. And I say, well, I'm going to be loyal to them and say fair play to them and thank them very much and it's such a privilege to do something you love doing and all these people want to come to hear it. Are you yeah. are you enjoying the gig more these days with I, that realisation? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think in general, I mean the happiest time I ever had on the road and I've heard Andy Irvin saying the same thing was the first year, the first 12, 18 months of Planksty yeah. was fucking brilliant it was just we had such good fun you know but now it's different I'm, a, I'm older now and, and I've more um, I suppose I have a bit more respect for what it is I do myself you know yeah. I would always bow to other people's opinion I would always say what do you think of this and if they said this or that or other I'd follow it right. but nowadays I'm more comfortable with my own decisions and would follow my own Instinct. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's mental. How what you just said there that you would ask uh, somebody because I remember when you invited me into the late late show, and mm. you I think you ended it, the show with maybe three or four songs, and you came straight over and you said, "How was it?" And I, I just thought you were just asking general questions, but you actually mean was that okay? Oh yeah. Well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I would always still. Uh, uh, I would go to the road crew after a gig, no matter how it had gone down. I would say like, "What was it like? What was it really like?" You know. Yeah. But it's it's a very weird thing because everybody's at their own gig. Everybody's at a different gig. Mm. Like if the three of us are at a gig, and I'm singing it, and you and Danny are there listening, I'm at one gig, and Danny's at another gig, and you're at another gig, because we all bring our own stuff. Yeah. Into the mix, you know. Yeah. And we hear and visualize things differently, you know. And it's, I mean, I can be having. A fucking brilliant gig and I go off and Declan would be kind of a bit of a sulk on he said oh, I wasn't hitting the sweet notes tonight and to me they were sweet and to the audience they were sweet but they weren't to Declan 
Yeah. You know, it's that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's mad yeah, because it is, yeah. of all the gigs that, at the older I get and the longer I go to your gigs, I am. Um, there's a tolerance I have against the crowd. Do you know? Do, do, what do you mean? You're a purist, are you? I'm a purist, I think, yeah. I think I'm going a bit anarchy. Like, yeah, I'm only joking. I want to bug you, like, what kind of thing would bug you? Um, heckling bug, bugs me. When I first started going to your, first, my first ever gig of yours was um, Pecker Don Benefit Night in, Jesus. in the shelter. With Frank Hart? Yeah. So, oh, no. I, and I, and I've, I've gone maybe six, seven times a year since. Yeah. I think that was 2000. I think that was your return to live performing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And um, But the la- I'd say maybe over the last four or five years, I'd go and I'd be like, oh, I wonder what the crowd would be like tonight. Yeah. Do you know what made me think that, actually? Um, do you remember the night you played uh, Tripod um, with Damien Dempsey and Jinx Lennon? I hated that night. I hated it. And the complete disrespect the crowd had for Jinx Lennon. It was terrible. That was scandalous. And I was like, Christy's going to hate this. And it's I, I was just unsettled then. Yeah. And he played at, what, say, seven. Damien was on at eight, and then you were nine. Yeah. But I just I just thought it was a bit of a recipe of disaster. Like. Well, I've never forgiven that element of that audience for what they did that night. Yeah. And, you know, I, I it was dis- disgraceful. Yeah, I thought so. The way so. they treated Jinx, you know. You actually told them as well, remember? Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing about that gig is the whole purpose of that gig was to create a platform for Jinx. Yeah. That's why that gig happened. I went to Damien, because Damien knew about Jinx, and I knew about Jinx. I said, let's see if we can get Jinx a bit of a leg up in Dublin. So I went to John Reynolds at the pod, and the gig was put on specifically for Jinx Lennon. And a small element of the audience booed him. And... That was a low point. Yeah. Same thing happened many, many years earlier when Phil Chevron played support to Moving Hearts in the stadium and some of the Moving Hearts audience booed him. And, you know, I don't forget those kind of things. Is, is that why you don't have support acts anymore? No. No? No. Is it's it a longer time for you, is it? On well, the stage? It, 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 it's not really that. Like, in a strange kind of a way, it was working out that having supports was making the gig harder. And I, I, it's very hard to explain that because when I started back this time, for the first few years we had supports. But then I kind of realised the audience was coming in at 8 o'clock to hear me and Declan and Donald and to hear the songs. And no matter how good the support was, the people were there for something else. Right. Mm. And by just doing the whole night, it just seems to work better. It definitely yeah. does. And I would like, I mean, I'm aware of the fact that I'd like to be playing uh, support acts or opening acts or whatever you want to call it, but it just doesn't work. No. I don't think it was either, to be honest, but, at any gig. But if I'm bringing somebody now on, I tend to bring them on during the gig. In other words, they'll come out and they'll sit down beside me and do a song or do two songs. And that's a different energy because myself and Declan and the band are around them and maybe join in with them. Very good, yeah. And that works better when it is I want to do it, you know. I mean, recently we did it with Mick Blake, who wrote Lingo, who wrote... Um, Political Lingo? No, Mick Blake wrote... Uh, uh, Oblivious. Oblivious. And then I did it yeah. with um, Pat Quinn, who wrote Lingo Politico. And I've done it with a few of the writers, you know, getting them up with Ian Prowse in Liverpool does this train stop in Merseyside. Oh, yes, of course. Um, and I have a few songs coming up now. Uh, I have a few new songs coming on, and I hope to feature the writers as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Political lingo, that's very relevant now, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Getting more relevant every day. Yeah. Mm. Would you give us a bar of that? Don't talk to me about politicians, bro. <laughs> I can't stop digging. I'm down in a hole. Spent my dole in Polish coal. I'm tired of eating toast and beans. And the man at the door is here to test my means. I hate politicians and they can't think straight. I hate politicians in the state of the state. They're putting on the poor remote. They're putting on the weight. They better not come round to my front gate. I got a big Alsatian, he's always waiting 
doesn't hang about, he doesn't hesitate. Get him sitting, get him boy, go get him sitting. There's a good boy. I hate politicians. They're going to do this, they're going to do that, they've got the greedy little fingers in the pension pot. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, but don't come canvassing to my front door. Oh yeah, they'll talk all right. They'll talk all day and they'll talk all night. Blah, 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 blah. Goes on from there. Deadly. Brilliant. <laughs> it's so relevant now though, isn't it? And it's, I mean, we have the whole take back the city is the next grassroots movement. Like, where is this going? Where do you think this is going to stop? Or it's not, is it? I haven't got a clue. I don't know. Uh, I heard a Martin Ferris uh, speak in the doll yesterday. It was very interesting what he had to say about it, you know. Mm. And and he, he said it as it is, really. Yeah. You know, and, uh, they're still playing games. Yeah. Like it could be solved if there was a will, but the will is not there. All they want to do is get fucking re-elected and to hang on to their own gigs. Yeah, you you mentioned oblivious uh, a minute or two ago, and, and the line, "What will it take to make us angry?" Yeah. And every time I listen to the song, it that line just resonates with me over and over because yeah. what will it take? Yeah, will you it know, take? it's it's crazy what's going on out there, yeah. and yet you know, marching blindly and just getting on with it, and it's kind of like I, I don't know. I, See, we're all we're too busy with Netflix and Sky Sports, and we're, we've got so many things now to occupy our minds and to keep us in, in a drugged state mm. that people don't have time to get involved, you know. And of course, that's ideal for the those who rule, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's what I think, anyway. That's my that's my feeling about it. That's, yeah, that's I, I, I think you're right. Um, I think um, the current establishment, they just kind of. Uh, when they have a remark to make about, say, take back the city, it's kind of protests won't build houses. Yeah. No, yeah. Civil no, disobedience does help. Yeah. Sometimes, do you know. Yeah, but they don't like mass demonstrations and mass civil disobedience do cause waves that bring effects. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's what scares them into into act, action. You know. Absolutely, of course. Yeah. And then we take back the city now. We've got people that are in their thirties that have realised. I probably won't be able to buy a house. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. And you've even I've even seen on Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff like that with journalists that I would follow and they're taking part in these take back the cities because they're in their early thirties yeah. and they can't afford the rent or they can't yeah. afford it's nuts. Like even an ordinary man would would still fit today is even probably more resonant than the eighties. Yeah. They go, they go in circles, as they say, don't you know, they they come back full loop and that kind of thing. I think yeah. ordinary man definitely fits that bill, yeah. Um, you know the, the um, what was it the Dunstars strike and, and Mandela and stuff like that were, were you no I was going to say were you, were you proud of, you were you were helping with that song obviously Dunstars and was, what were the feelings say well the thing about that song yeah is, is the song actually came I didn't hear the song until all that was over. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And the song was written by an English woman called Sandra Kerr. And, and she she wrote the song, and I heard the song, I can't remember what year I heard it in, but I never actually sang that song on, at the picket line or anything like oh, that. okay. You know, so, I mean, that's... Um, and I've subsequently, through the song, got to meet the women. Brilliant. You know, and they really appreciate the song, but... I wasn't on the picket. I went down once or twice to the picket, but I never sang on the picket. Okay, okay. You know. Yeah. Um, but the song was written, as I said, by Sandra Kerr, and I, I did, um, as I always do, play around a little bit with the words, you know, just to make them a little bit more. More. You know when you're, um, say, no pun intended, but on the voyage of kind of, when you're touring and stuff like that, and you're picking up songwriter songs, or even... I remember years ago you tried um, Johnny Cash Hurt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is there is there any kind of songs? I remember years ago you had said to me about uh, a Radiohead song. 
Yeah. You liked Radiohead, you liked Tom York, but you just couldn't pick a song or nail down a song. I got all their albums. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything that I could do. Part of the reason being is musically I'm very limited. Okay. My left hand is very limited. Um, I have very few chords. Like, for example, the certain songs I can do, because working with Declan, he's able to kind of provide an accompaniment or sometimes he's able to help me to play something that will just about fit. Uh, but my left hand is very limited, which prevented me from... I, I didn't find any Radiohead song That you were happy cover, with? Okay. You know, but through Declan I got to uh, do like Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, yeah. which I just... Love it. such a beautiful song to sing. And he, he introduced me to Motherland, Before the Deluge, Black Dog, and so, song. songs like that, you know. he. He's got a good ear for things that might suit me. Oh, very good. Mm. And it, it, how did you come about Morecambe Bay? Morecambe, Mike Harding of BBC uh, sent it over to me. Mike Harding was a folk singer whom I worked with and lived with in the 60s. And he heard Morecambe Bay and uh, thought it would suit me. It does, and, yeah. Uh, it's such a sad song. We'll do a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Out beyond the street lamps where the Calliope's roll Past the wreck and sunfire Beyond the shore I see them walking through the tide As rain cuts through the spray Chinese cockle pickers On the sands of Morecambe Bay Stood beside them in the corner shop And in the market too I should have spoken to them, told them what to do Like our mothers told us when we went out to play Never try and rest the tide on the sands of Morecambe Bay The tide is the devil, it will run you out of breath Race you to the seashore, chase you to your death Hides the very devil, and the devil has its day on the lonely cockle banks of Morecambe Bay. Saw them sending money or this home, their hard earned pay. Tales across some borders on the shores on the on the way to Morecambe Bay. Sleeping in crowded rooms on cold hard floors. Such dreamless life is not worth dying for Now I see them in the distance Laid out in the morning light Chinese workers, 23 were drowned last night Their final phone calls around the world crossed As between two river estuaries They raced the tide and lost Tide is the devil, it will run you out of breath Race you to the seashore, chase you to your death The tide's the very devil, and the devil has its day On the lonely cockle banks of Morecambe Bay In Fogian and Zealand, they mourn their next of kin Gangmasters with snake tattoos, call money loans back in. Broken hearted parents watch their children stow away to die upon the cockle banks of Morecambe The tide is the devil, it will run you out of breath. Race you to your seashore, chase you to your death. The tide's the very devil, and the devil has its day on the lonely cockle banks of Morecambe Bay. Absolutely brilliant. Wow. You haven't played that for a while, have you? No. Written by Kevin Fleetwood. He's from um, Southport. And Mike Harding sent me a recording of him singing it at his local folk club. And I contacted him and asked him, could we cover it? Oh, yeah. And Declan and I covered it, and it was... Some folk tale. It was nominated uh, as Folk Song of the Year in the BBC Folk Awards. Wow. No, it didn't win it, but it was nominated. Yeah. Wow. 
It was brilliant. Speaking of folk, where do you, how do you see the folk scene nowadays in Ireland? Say? It's fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. There's all kinds of really good people emerging, you know. Is there anyone particularly that you're listening to these days? Nava. Uh, Nava? A band called Nava. Uh, N-A-V-A. Very, very good. Um, landless. Landless, never heard of them. Yeah. Uh, Jeez, uh, you've never heard of them? No, I've never heard of Landless. Well, here you are doing a blog. Why have you got the finger out there, man? Jeez. I know, Scarlett. Uh, Derry O'Farrell. Right, I've heard. Yeah, and you probably heard of Lynched, now yep. known Lancome. Um, oh, there's lots of really good stuff happening. You know, Moxie. Yeah, very Moxie, Moxie yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, just the health, the, the, I'm really going to say the health scene. The, fo- the folk scene has never <laughs> been good health. The health scene has never been folkier. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was an interview there uh, ages ago with Damien Dempsey where he says you're one of his biggest influences. Do you remember the first time you seen Damien? Yeah, I was up in uh, Bally Farmer Rock School. I went up there to do a workshop and I met up with him that day and uh, heard him singing and I was doing a thing in the point the following year and I brought him out to sing a song. Lovely. He came out and sang a song. Uh, um, I know a lot, a lot of fans now uh, of yourselves and uh, yourself and Damien have the Christmas tree every year in Vicar Street where he plays the, the week after you or you play a few before Christmas he That's plays right, yeah. and then yeah. you play after Christmas yeah, yeah. and it's like for likes of me it's a huge treat yeah. the, the one week like it's oh, really great. would you go and see Damien much or in terms of are you, would you know his new stuff at all oh or? yeah we keep yeah. in touch we talk and we we keep in touch you know and, and we, we support each other as best we can because they're so alike it's remarkable well you know he's He's taller, I'm taller. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Um, remember Coldplay? Yeah. And you went on stage to sing Ride right On at Oxygen. Yeah. That was amazing. I, I, I didn't go now, but I remember my phone was hopping, uh, yeah. saying, Jay's you're missing Christy down at Oxygen. How did that come about? The drummer out of Coldplay, um, when he was 14, he came to a gig of mine, I think in Southampton with his mother. His mother was a bit of a folky. And she brought him along to this gig and she saw this fella up on the stage with an acoustic guitar and he was it just stayed with him amazing and it stayed with him right through his life and he kept coming to the gigs and uh, it was his idea so they, they made contact and uh, asked me would I come out and and, uh, and the reason the main reason I did it is because of where it was in Kildare it was in Punchestown which is only yeah. 8 miles from my hometown you couldn't say no. I couldn't say no to that, you know. There must have been a good buzz, was it? I was. It was very. It was great crack. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, basically, I got there in the uh, couple of hours beforehand. I said they'd learned the song anyway, which is a very easy song to learn, and we played it in the dressing room for ten or fifteen minutes, and then he introduced me halfway through the set, and it was very. It was great because nobody knew it was happening. Even the promoters of the gig, MCD, didn't know what was happening. Oh, wow. What were they like? <laughs> but they never, they never, they were like, What's I, going I on? don't know. <laughs> none of them ever said anything to me about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's some great fan footage on YouTube of, yeah. of fans just going absolutely ballistic. Was that a Saturday night? I think it was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday, yeah, because I remember there's a fan clip where... There's, there's an Irish man saying, I'm not going fucking home tomorrow. That's Christy, you know. <laughs> Amazing. There was, there was a, a, a thing happened. Beyonce was there. Right. And she was in the audience. No, she, she was in the VIP section. And she came, what's the fellow she goes out with? Jay-Z. 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 When they were coming through, I held the door from Your man gave me 50 bucks. He thought I was the doorman. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Unbelievable. That's amazing. Oh. He thought you were a doorman. Yeah. Obviously, you said yeah because it was in Punchtown. Well, you said no to Ed Sheeran for Crow Park. Yeah, but for very different reasons, you right. know. Um, what did he want you to do? Just come out and do a couple of songs with him. Well, wow. I, ju- I just, um, I didn't think it'd be right, you know. Just um, crowd wise, or I, I just didn't think you weren't I, feeling it. I thought I'd be getting in, in the way of of his gig because his gig is so special. 
Mm. He doesn't need a fucking old fella coming out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't know what you mean, but I get what you're saying. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. I, I mean, his buzz—it's—it's it's all these young, young ones. And the one I did regret, I regretted not doing playing with Springsteen in Grove Park. Ah, oh, I found well. that one, and I'm fucking. I feel really. Was that the most recent? Yeah. He had. He, I think Bono came up on stage. I don't know who came up, but. Yeah. Uh, Why did you say no to that? Just wasn't feeling it. I funked it. My hands up, I funked it. Right. Yeah. And that was a mistake. I should have done it. Because he, that man has a quality about him that I, I would love to. The crack was I was going to do Ordinary Man with him. The two of us, two oh, acoustic wow. guitars. Can you imagine? That would have been. I was at that <laughs> concert now. I would have lost me mind, to be honest oh, with you. Jesus. Would, would, I, I, I'm, I regret that one. With the Ed one, I think it was the right thing. Right. Ed is a lovely guy. Ed called over to, to our house uh, a few hours. He called over three o'clock in the afternoon, and that evening he was due to go into Crow Park, pay to 80,000 people. And he sat down in the house, and he drank tea, and we chatted, and he sang a couple of songs, and he went off as cute as a cucumber. Right. And uh, he, he's, he's a unique young man you know mm. he really is that's brilliant though isn't it and totally yeah. untouched by what's happened to him you know yeah i mean he's mega the world over absolutely yeah. you know and um, just, just on on springsteen is, is there any of his that you've ever kind of wanted to or that you've ever toyed I think with I, I think his songs are too specific to him mm. like the certain songs sometimes you try to cover a song i mean last year I re- there was a paul brady song i really wanted to do and i actually learned it I yeah. worked on it, but I realised when you take Paul Brady out of the song, when you take his voice and his accent and his guitar playing out yeah. of the song, it's such a big part of it well, that I felt yeah. I couldn't do it, you know. And it'd be the same with Springsteen, yeah. same with a lot of Dylan songs. I mean, ah, of course, yeah, yeah. I think I've managed to do three Dylan songs in. Mm. I did the first one in 1967, and I've done two since. Jesus, yeah, so and, and I mean, some of his songs are just magnificent but Harry Carroll Pity the Poor Immigrant and, and what uh, else Tribute to Woody oh okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Do, do you think if, if Bruce asks you again will you do it yeah 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 right <laughs> get on to Bruce yeah, now, Probably an RDS. Yeah. He's got some energy, Bruce, hasn't he? He's amazing. Yeah. And what, you'd probably you'd go to the gig, would you, as a spectator, to Bruce? I went, I went once to hear him. Yeah, in the RDS. Yeah. He's yeah. like three hours or something. Three yeah. and a half hours. Three hours. Yeah. yeah it's mental. Um, what in terms of um, <clears throat> downtime, sport, cinema, music. All three. All three? Yeah. What are you loving at the moment sport-wise? Is there anything to love? Ah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I love rugby. I, 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 I love looking at rugby on television. Mm. I stopped going. Um, I, I go to the RDS again this year, yeah. but I can't go to Aviva and I can't go to Croke Park. I hate how much they've changed. I hate the volume coming through the big speakers. I hate all the fucking gargle, you know? The last time I was at... Um, Lansdowne Road or Aviva, there were these pricks going in and out with, with uh, these things holding six points, in and out and then pissing and then back in again and back out again. And there was an elderly couple, elderly, might have been younger than me, sitting on the same row. And the last time he came in, he spilt fucking six points all over the world. Oh, Jesus, yeah. You know, and this couple would come down from Belfast to see a rugby match. Yeah. yeah. And then in Crow Park, the way they played the ads off the television during yeah. half time. You actually can't have a conversation about the game. You can't. No, I'm an old fella talking here, and I know yeah. younger people think, "What's he fucking talking about?" But that's the way it affects me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. I, I stopped renewing my season ticket for similar stuff to what you're saying there. And yeah. then when you were talking to Merrow earlier about what pisses you off at a gig, kind of thing. Like the bar closing is the best thing that's ever been done at a gig because when it turns into a fucking sponsored walk going back and forth and back oh, and yeah. forth, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So when yeah. did you introduce that actually the bar closing? Oh, nearly thirty years ago. Really? Yeah. I've got a lot of stick about it then, but now you don't. Everybody just takes it it's yeah. the way it is. Yeah, because like Danny said, especially say the sit down gigs at Vicker Street. Yeah. You know, oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. You don't mind people coming in with two, three drinks at the start, but like. 
You don't want people moving. Though. Even when you go to a stand-up comedy show, people moving. Nah, it's brutal. Get, it's yeah. just a pain in the hole. You're, you're a, well, the way I look at it is, between 8 and 10 o'clock, every fucking pub in Ireland is open, except the one I'm in. <laughs> it's only going to be closed for two hours. Two hours. It's yeah. open before and it's open after. If you can make a trip. And you can't hack that, well, maybe you shouldn't be, should go and spend your money in the pub that's open. Yeah, that's don't go and see it. me. Um, what about the, the, the effect of Arthur's Day was brilliant. Well, it helped, didn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I think it did help. Yeah. You were on prime time singing that. I was, yeah. I never thought I'd see you on prime time. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of a case of people say to you, uh, do, do you think that a song can make a difference? Yeah, it can make a difference. And if a song, if I hear a song and it changes my way of thinking about something, it's made a difference. Yeah. And that particular song, I think, made quite a big difference. Big time. It did, yeah. I think uh, it, it's kind of odd because what you're saying I actually went to some of the Art of the Artist Day gigs when it yeah. was going I, I remember I'd see Snow Patrol and I think the Manic Street Preachers were playing in the same venue and it was a great gig in fairness yeah yeah. but then the song Artist Day and the more I kind of thought it was like Christy's after doing me there yeah <laughs> 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 so, damn it Christy ruined it <laughs> so that's it won't be going any more to them now that's it's not making sense I'm yeah. trying to write one now about betting betting shops oh really you know? yeah and, and it's I'm getting there slowly, but I don't know. Mm. I'm thinking of calling them Betfair me bollocks. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the I hope you haven't got any uh, any uh, bookies sponsoring this. We, no. we don't. No, we don't. Not yeah. at all. No. We don't. Paddy, is that a Paddy Power Sports blog? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast, Christy. We'd be I know, this. I know, I know. <laughs> No, yeah. we've no, we've no sponsor. Just the hotel. That's it. The, the fantastic and fa- fabulous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel. Exactly. <laughs> Jenny and Alicia look after us, giving us the room and that kind of crack. They're good people. They are. Um, they're a proud Lily White. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> the people in the hotel? No, you. No, sorry. Well, I thought you were talking about Fitzpatrick's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, well, well, you change, you're, you're I changing know. the subject here. We've just talking about Kildare. We've given them the plugs, and now we'll move on to the beautiful Kildare. The under twenty All Ireland champions. We mustn't forget. That's it. Give them their correct title. And the intermediate women won last year. Yeah. They won the All Ireland only four days after I sang for them. Oh, lovely! There you go. I can tell you. You love you love playing for the the sports teams anyway. I do, yeah. 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 Get yeah. a good kick out of it. Yeah, I get a great buzz out of it. I really do. Yeah. You know it's. Whatever they get out of it, I get just as much and maybe more, you know. And would you play them with Declan or yourself? It would vary. Uh, solo sometimes, in the main solo. I've done a couple with Declan and I did one with um, Declan and Jimmy and Carl. Uh, but in the main solo, because it's you can kind of get involved with the people individually. I like to get them all fairly close in and I like to talk to them as we go along with any song you'd like to hear. And, I did a great one last year for my own old club, Moorfield, down in Kildare. They won the, the, the Leinster uh, Club Championship and they were due to play in the All-Ireland semi-final. And I went down and did one. And it was really interesting because uh, some of them were grandsons of guys I played with oh, years yeah, ago. Yeah. And so there was a, a whole kind of neighbourly thing involved in it. And you know when people are involved in a club for a long time? Yeah. So that was really... It was quite emotional, actually, you know. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I loved that. And I played for the Kildare team a few times, and then the Irish rugby team. So, yeah, yeah it's something that happens occasionally that I really value it. And did Ruby appreciate the ballad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, when I, when I wrote the, the ballad of Ruby Walsh, I recorded it. And I actually went visit. I visited the, the Walsh's home. And I said, "I have this song. I've written it and I've recorded it. I'd like to put it on an album, but I want you to listen to it first. And I gave it in. I said, "I'll go out and sit in the car and you have a listen to it and have a chat about it." And uh, they gave me the nod, and they were delighted yeah. with it. You know, brilliant. Daily. Could you give us a few bars or something? Oh, jeez, yeah. On their understanders orders, Ted Walsh is coming to Oh, Ruby's up in the favour, and be God, she'll take some baiting. Her neck's are crammed and eyes are strained, there's fear upon the faces, there's agony 
And ecstasy below at the galveresses Hey Ruby, hold her back Give her a smack and up she'll go There's clergymen dressed up like men There's models home from London How she couldn't up a catcher on the midland There's gamblers there with ones and nods They're going mad to gamble At the Connemara boys and girls In to take a ramble Hey Ruby, hold her back Give her a smack and up she'll go there's Celtic helicopters, land bank speculators, there's builders, developers, crocodiles and alligators. They're flocking around the Galva tent in a feeding frenzy. There's some of them whipped the cream, while others skim the gravy. Hey Ruby, hold her back, give her a smack and up she'll go. Oh, big God, there's little Mickey Fingleton. Shawnee Fitzpatrick, oh, them as the boys could sink. The banks of Monte Carlo, they're hedging their bets in doubles to rebels and accumulators. And knowing the blinkers have gone under financial regulators. Hey, Ruby, hold her back, give her a smack and up she'll go. And Thursday is a ladies' day, the women are looking smashing. They're lashing on the lipstick, filler dresses all the fashion. You can see the liposuction, the Botox and augmentation. Brazilian crocodiles and colonic irrigation. Hey Ruby, hold her back, give her a smack and up she'll go. And galloping down the back straight, Ruby has her in a canter. Oh look at her lip, the jump speaker, she's like a belly dancer. Well, over the last she hits the front, nothing is going to pass her. It's winter, all right, up till there, and follow me up to Carlo. Hey, Ruby, hold her back, get up. Hey, Ruby, give her a smack, go on. Hey, Ruby, hold her back, give her a smack, and up she'll go. Yes, love it. Never get old. Never, never. never. You know, um, the way Shawnee Fitzpatrick's in that song, and Fingers Fingleton, and in other songs like um, Don't Forget Your Shovel, you kind of... Recently, the last three, four years for Don't Forget Your Shovel, you changed that to the relevance of what's happening. Do you ever think that, say, sometimes I was at a gig before and there was a, you, you put Bertie Ahern in one of the lyrics. Do you ever, do you ever think they're, they're there watching? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Bertie Ahern would never, in his wildest dreams, go to Christy War gig. Is it? Absolutely. Uh, Brian Cowan came a few times. Right. Us. But no, Bertie Ahern, oh God, no. <laughs> no, I, w- I would be... be oh. <laughs> feel, feel dirty at the top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's gas though, because uh, do you remember you used to call um, Borgosh Namahal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a bit of stick for that. Well, off one person. Yeah. Do you like play, playing those venues? Because I, who did I hear? It might have been Damien Dempsey again where no it wasn't Damien Dempsey it might have been uh, Paul Brady saying about Dublin um, venues they're not as kind of rugged or or old or they're just too pristine now these days would you share that same sentiment? Uh, no no I wouldn't no um, like if you take that might apply to a couple of venues but if you take Vicar Street take the Olympia take Whelan's name but three you'd hardly call them pristine and they'd be mm-hmm. I would consider them rugged you know Whelan's uh, particularly Christy Moore Whelan's gig is phenomenal yeah because it's so small and yeah it's only about what 200 people maybe yeah they're the best uh, yeah yeah Whelan's is Whelan's is special alright you know before we let you go because time running out is it we're coming up on an hour an hour before you go would you play North and South for me yeah Favorite and thanks ever. very much, lads. Thank so, you for really enjoying it. It's, it's Thank been you lovely coming in. You know, I, I no sweat. Um, you know, it's it's been a grand hour, and I really enjoyed it. Deadly. You'll have thanks to start your own blog now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind. It's something I've been thinking about, and and having now done a podcast and seeing what is involved, I'll definitely be thinking about it. Oh wow! Well. There you go. You know, Join in. Right. 
I wanna reach out over the lock and feel your hand across the world. Walk with you along an unapproved road, not looking over my shoulder. I wanna see, I wanna hear, to understand your fear, but we're north and south of the river. I've been doing it wrong. All my life, this holy town has turned me over. A man on the run from what he couldn't understand as the wind from the lock blew colder and colder. There was a badness that had its way. Love wasn't lost, it just got mislaid. North and south. Of the river Can we stop playing These altar tunes Oh darling I don't have the answer I wanna meet you Where you are I don't need you to surrender There's some high ground That's not worth taking there's some connections that are not worth making Get up! The old tunes files no longer ringing And some of the old songs, they're not worth singing North and south of the river Where's Declan Siddham? <laughs> North and south of the river and south of the river. Oh, yeah, boy. Fair Powerful What are you doing next week? I'll stay Thanks so much. Sounds Thank you. Uh, there's no need to. But do you want to tell people what, what the gig, Vicar Street gig? Vicar Street, 10 up. nights in Vicar Street coming up, and think tickets are gone. gone but check Christy Moore's Twitter feed because new dates for next year <coughs> are yep. coming up all the time. Tweeting the last three or four days of new new gigs next year, some intimate gigs and, and, and stuff like that. Out and about around the country. Yeah. As always. Christy, thanks so much. My pleasure, lads. You mean you. so much to so many people. Well, and you're an absolute legend. So and many people mean so much to me. It's fantastic. Yeah. That the journey, the tour still goes on and the songs are still going and couldn't ask for anything else. Brilliant. Beautiful. Christy Moore, thank you. <laughs> Good, sweet, holy. Oh, I can't wait to listen back to this. Man, that like, do you know, right, first of all, laid back, sound as a pound. Modest. Modest to, modest to the nth degree, but do you know what blows me away? Do you know when you're, you're in the presence of somebody who is just... And I don't, not, not even a singer songwriter, not even somebody who's a musician or, or whatever. You know, when you're just you're in the presence of somebody who's just unbelievably good and passionate about what they do. Mm. You're when you're in the company of greatness, it and, it and it kind of radiates towards you, and you kind of feel a presence. And I, this sounds so wanky, and I know it does. But like we're sitting, well, I, I mean, eighteen inches away from the man as he's having a chat with us and playing a few tunes and I'm sitting here and I'm trying to seem cool and in my head all I'm thinking is that's Christy this Moore. is arguably one of the greatest Irish musicians of all time but arguably one of the greatest musicians it's Christy fucking Moore like well he was he was voted in 2007 Ireland's greatest living musician by a poll online on RTA I think um, but yeah, like, and just when I think I couldn't love him anymore, he talks about his love of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I nearly he, got down on a knee and proposed to him. And he said no. He said no to Bruce. But see, that's how modest he is. Like, who who turns down Bruce Springsteen mm. and is still cool? I know. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I've been I've been. How long have I been trying to get you into Christie? Oh, Not trying. Oh. You you. Th- when I t- asked you to listen to an album, you listened oh, yeah, and geez, you loved yeah, it. Yeah, and you always text me. See, I like I, I have a mad taste in music, and I'll go through waves and I'll go through patterns. You're very much 
you're, you're, you're a one-way street for Christy almost in the sense of he's top of your pile always, always, always. Yeah, well, when I talk, when people ask me about music, Christy's on one side and then the rest are on the other. Yeah, right. You and know? and I, Damon Dempsey slowly is becoming on that other Christy side I, as well. I, I'd have something similar in the sense of I'd have maybe you two and Springsteen on, on the side that you'd have Christy and that on and then I've got kind of everything else, you know what I mean? Mm. But somewhere in the middle, I have this kind of grey area where Paul Simon, Neil Diamond... <laughs> Eurovision, <laughs> all those things, and I'm not saying this to take the piss, but Christie's in that grey area, and he every so often I get in a mood where all I want to do is take on a few Christie songs, and when that's the case, he goes straight into the Springsteen YouTube side of things. For me, that's like the, the, the I, I couldn't say like I like him any more than putting him in the same bracket as Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And then to hear him, I'd never heard that before, that he, he turned down Bruce. Mm. I never heard Bruce. I knew, you know I knew I mean? about Ed. I, knew about the, I heard yeah. about the Ed one, yeah. But even that, that's still mind-blowing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, oh, man. It was just surreal, though, wasn't it? Absolute gent. I loved it. I loved every second of that. Like, it was. that's your first time meeting him. It is. I'm, I meet him quite a few times. So it's not. Um, Don't be braggadocious. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying not to be. <laughs> I'm, messing, I'm, I'm, not tr- I'm trying not to be cocky or sound stupid no, I'm, here. I'm just. I'm but just. But that the, the way the way you're feeling now. Yeah. Was the way I felt in the early days. Yeah. Of being Christie's friendship, yeah. where, you know, I'd be like, I'd be in his company. Yeah. And I'd be pinching myself, saying, he's, "What's going on here? He, he, why, why is why is why is Christie talking to me? He, <laughs> he's a gent. He sound as a pound and. His, o- his modesty is infectious, isn't say, it? I can't get over just how laid back and just cool. Because, he is. like I, d- I tried to say to him at the end, there, like he does, he means so much ah, yeah. to so many people. Ah, Jesus, yeah. Like we spoke about it off air with Christy that there was a gig in Whelan's maybe five or six years ago. The youngest audience member in that crowd was eight years of age, yeah. and the oldest was eighty-two. Yeah. In the same audience, there was three generations yeah, of like, a different family that were watching him. Yeah, that's like who 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 has his in Ireland? Who has his longevity? Yeah, oh Jesus, I don't no. think anyone does. No, but look, ten dates in Vicar Street this year yeah, to, due to phenomenal demand. Look, it, I, I'm I'm blown away. Ah, uh, blown away. Blown away. By I it. hope everyone enjoyed that interview be, yeah. as much as we did because. That was one of our best. That, that was. That'll, that'll hold a place now. In, yeah. in terms of whatever this podcast goes on to do or doesn't go I don't on care. to do, that'll, I hold, don't it, care. that'll hold something special with me. Um, check out Christy Moore on Twitter and ChristyMoore.com. It's at ChristyMoore45 on Twitter. Yeah, and ChristyMoore.com. is a brilliant for website for all for any musicians who want to learn his songs. He has yeah. all the lyrics written down and also the... The tabs, guitar, the tabs, guitar tabs, and stuff like that, and upcoming gigs, yeah, and all. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, go st- once you know this one finishes in the outro and all that, go straight and listen to a bit of Christy you live will. the Barrowlands, unbelievable. The Mark Bay song, I can't believe he sang that for <sighs> us because I haven't heard him sing that in years. And I'll Google that now when I go home and remind myself of yeah. about the Chinese. Right, Merrow. Yes. Where can people listen to all 161 episodes that preceded WTS 162 with Christy Moore? Um. You can go to WTS Pod on any podcast provider. You can go to Twitter at WTS Pod. You can go to Facebook. Uh, what's st- uh, Facebook.com forward slash what's WTS Pod Ireland. <laughs> you can go to at Dan Joe Murray. You can go to at American Mania. I don't care. This has been What's the Story. Christy Moore is a legend. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet. What else? Keep sending your fan mail to Merlo. Whoever oh my done God. it. Keep we'll talk about it. that next week. We will, lads. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Christy Moore. Thanks to Patrick Castle Hotel. Go to Patrickcastle.com for more. But Merlo, until next week, which will be the last week before we take a little break because you're off to Florida. I'm off Florida and we're not stacking up guests. We're not, but next week's a good one. But until then, thanks Christy Moore. Merlo, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Christy Moore.